You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Oz Network as we come to you for another spoiler-free movie review. Coming to you today for one of the most eagerly anticipated films from myself and a lot of other people out there too, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's the bio film on Freddie Mercury, on Queen, and uh, a lot of history behind this one to get it to this point. But it's out, it's here, it's ready. And a uh, lot to talk about with this one. I'm very excited here to be able to chat about this movie. My name is Ben, and now here comes the operatic section. Uh, operatic section? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. My name's Mallory, by the way. Yes. Sorry, I just had to finish the other part oh, of okay. your quote. Oh, okay. Didn't have a quote for yourself, or... Oh, I did, but then... Do you want to try that again? Try distracted it. me. Go again. My name is Mallory, and... Galileo. 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 Free Welcome, uh, everybody, as we try and recreate our Greece one. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, yes. It's, it's out. It's here. Um, it's queer. Get used to it. Um, that kind of works with this, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to start off by saying I absolutely, absolutely, absolutely love this movie. Um, I went into this... Maybe even more excited in 2018, maybe more so than Jurassic World. I don't know. Like, it was between this and Jurassic World I think World you too. might have been more excited about this. Just, just so excited when this sort of got a trailer last year. And, like, I mean, it's been in the pipeline for such a long time. I think it was greenlit in, like, 2010 that they were going to do a movie on, on Freddie Mercury and Queen. And so much around this movie to get to this point, to kind of be here and see this just... So excited. We've, we've come home about, what, like half an hour ago. It's been about an hour and a half since we've walked out of the cinemas to see this. I wanted to see this on opening day. We didn't quite get there. We got there a few days later. But, um, yeah, I, I am already ready to just go out and see this movie again. Just, just loved it. Just initial impressions right now to say, just absolutely love this. This has been my favorite movie so far this year. As we were walking out of the theater, Ben said, I'm ready to go see it again. <laughs> like, honestly, he loved it. I'm not so sure, but Ben loved it. So, so, so you don't know how you're feeling still about, like, what are your thoughts right I, now? I think I'm just confused, honestly. Like, I don't know. I, I did enjoy it. Like, mm-hmm. I would never say that my opinion of it was that of a negative one. Like, I would totally go see it with you again, I think. But. Maybe it was on sale. <laughs> <laughs> it just... It almost felt forced to me. Maybe that's what I didn't like about it. What do you mean? What, what do you it s- just, it was a little bit choppy for me, and it was just very different from what I was expecting. Like like I said to you right after the movie, I was expecting it to have more of a storyline and a story arc than it did. But again, like you're following a man's real life, so you can't just force that. I don't know. So when you say it wasn't what you are expecting, what were you expecting, do you think? Like, what do you think you were I gonna- Honestly, I walked into the movie theater with mm-hmm. the trailers as my expectation. Okay. Like, I don't know... I think they were very similar. I, okay, I didn't even know that he d- died of pneumonia that was related to AIDS I until you told me, like, alert. a week ago. <laughs> Nobody knows that. <laughs> Everybody else in the world, I'm sure, knows yes, that. Yes, I think that is one spoiler we can <laughs> say. If you didn't know Freddie Mercury was dead, uh, and basically, you know... Well, I knew that he was dead, but I didn't know how he died. I, I did tell you that like a week ago, didn't yeah. I? That, no, no, no. You told me. Like, yeah. I knew that going into it. Which I think because the thing but, that I, like, it was never publicly confirmed. I think the day before he died, 
he released a statement or something through somebody because it was always long rumoured and everything. And you kind of see that a bit in this movie about, like, it's he's never come out and said that he's fully gay. At least, it, it, I believe it was kind of like the day before he died. It was all kind of, like, confirmed mm. and things like that. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting, I think, that, like, I definitely came out of this thinking that the trailers sell it very well. I agree. I definitely agree. I think that if you look at, um, and not always rag on um, First Man, but, like, I think the trailers for First Man sell it as a different film compared to... I don't think I don't you ever see I remember the trailer. trailers, so I don't know if I watched um, them. Whereas this, I think, definitely, you know, sells it as, as what it is. And I think that, you know, a lot of reviews coming into this I've read have kind of said, like, oh, you know, just enjoy a two-hour version of their Wikipedia page. And, I mean, that's generally what most biofilms generally are. Um, and a lot of sort of reviews have come out saying that they didn't necessarily explore a lot of the issues and kind of gave it a bit of a cookie-cutter version and kind of just skipped over things, which, look, I can definitely see that. I think you and I kind of having a bit of a topic as we left about sort of particularly the stuff around his sexuality and sort of his relationship with men. I, I personally feel that that was something that wasn't as explored as... When I say graphically, I mean, like, as in, in a level that I think they could have gone into a little bit differently. But I definitely think they've played a line with this film, which, okay, it's not entirely family-friendly, but for the most part, you could take someone, you know, around, like, 12, 13... You definitely 13, have to cover their eyes in certain parts. Or maybe just sort of, you know, yeah, like, I mean, if you, they've, they've, they've played well, it safe. Maybe not, though. I, I think, like, I mean... There's, like, one, like, scene where you can tell that drugs have been there. Yeah, but I mean that's even it's a, it's a brief, but and this is even then like yeah I guess it's more but, family. But I think my point friendly. is like I think what this was rated M here in New Zealand and Australia, which is you know recommended for people fifteen. I think that they've played when I say the family friendly level in the fact that this is more of a widespread commercial release. Like A Star Is Born, I think is kind of a bit more graphic mm-hmm. in the fact of what they show. Whereas this, like yeah, like there's a scene where like a brief glimmer of drugs. There's like what one scene, two scenes of men kissing, and yeah. then there's a, a there's one. Large parties. Yeah, well, there's one use of the F word, which you can tell, like, is kind of, like, usually to receive a certain rating, you can only use, like, the F word at a certain amount of times before you've got to put it into a certain rating. So, it's like, I think you're allowed, like, one use of the F bomb in a certain rating, and they use it. There was one moment they did say the F bomb. When was it? Uh, Sort of, I think, during one of the fights. Bits where they had a bit of an argument. I, my point is, I as don't I even think, remember that. I think this is like straight away. I'm going to say my only criticism of it because this is going to be it is that they could have maybe gone into it a little bit more, a little bit graphically, and explored a little bit more of that. But I definitely don't think that that takes away from this. I think it was still completely brilliant, and that's my one criticism done out of the way. I think <laughs> that it could have been made a lot more of a political movie, almost if it was more graphic. Yeah, like. I think it would have made headlines. A I, th- lot. I think th- not that it's not making headlines, but I think why they more. they steered away from it though is because like yeah, you're right. They they can go a certain direction, but it's you want to celebrate his life, mm-hmm. his his style. He was a very unique individual. He um you know, his vocal range, just things like that. You don't want to turn this into something like I said to you, and this one's mainly for Australian listeners. Um, it reminded me a lot of the In Excess miniseries they did on Channel 7 a couple of years ago. And it was kind of like, yeah, it was just a, a movie version of their Wikipedia page, you want to say. But what the In Excess one did really, really well was kind of just showed what who Michael Hutchins was as a person, that he was this, you know, 
out there, you know, charismatic, attractive guy who, he was the front of NXS. He was the reason why they were such a big thing. Not to take away from the other band members, just like Freddie Mercury doesn't take away from, you know, the other members of Queen. But you think of Queen, you think of Freddie Mercury. You think of NXS, you think of Michael Hutchins. And Michael Hutchins died in, you know, very sad circumstances. It was ruled a suicide and kind of, you can't shy away from that. But they don't show it graphically. They don't show him graphically killing himself and things like that. Well, they could have. I think that something that actually they played really well on, on not making it graphic, was that his sexuality was behind closed doors for a lot of his life. And I think that, like, that creative license that they had and the way that they did film this movie and the way that they thought about it and edited it, I think that they did a very good job of making it stay behind closed doors. Yeah, and I think what a large part of that, what sells it well, is that... Brian May and the other members of Queen were involved in this production. Brian May was one of the musical consultants on it. So they have that input from Queen. And that's where a lot of, you know, initially anybody who knows the history of this film, you know, Sasha Baron Cohen was automatically signed up as Freddie Mercury. And like, again, I was saying this to you, like when we were talking about this, that like that really excited me. I think Sasha Baron Cohen was a great choice for it, but he had lots of creative sort of differences with Queen and everything around how the direction of the film goes. And from what I've read, a lot of that was, I think Sasha Baron Cohen wanted to explore more of what we're talking about. And I think probably Queen have stepped in and kind of gone like, look, hey, we kind of want families to be able to come in. This is about our music and this yeah. is about this. You, you can't ignore Freddie Mercury's sexuality and kind of things that happen with it. And obviously, you know, that he died of AIDS and complications are around that. I mean, the 80s was just dominated by that and kind of that was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. So there's no way. Like, if you had left this movie without touching on that, like, absolutely, that would deserve criticism. But I think the main thing you come out of this film is, I mean, you said to me that you didn't know a lot of their background. You didn't know a lot of that. Even some of the music in this movie you didn't know. Yeah. And I think that this is gives a fantastic A to B storytelling of how they're formed, how they became so big, and it ends, you know, on arguably one of the most famous performances in music history, their 20-minute set at Live Aid, which is recreated just beautifully. Beautiful. Like, wow. Yeah. Like, I cried in that last bit at the end <laughs> just because it was not. just so <laughs> beautifully shot, just the music and, like... I mean, a background of me is like, I grew up on Queen. My parents pay- played Queen a lot when I was little, you know, both, you know, and like their CDs were kind of staple, or cassettes were staple cassettes sort of in the car on camping trips and just things like that. So, you know, I grew up on these songs. And so I think a lot of that is, you go into this as a Queen fan, I don't see you not enjoying this film. Mm. Whereas, Even, like, honestly, even not as a Queen fan. Yeah. Like, you're going to know a few songs no matter what from the radio from literally just growing up in anywhere near pop culture like i'm barely have a hand in it but like but i mean everyone knows bohemian rhapsody everyone knows uh we are the champions you know we will rock you and i think that this movie gave such great history to the songs that you do know Mm -hmm. that was something that i really appreciated because as much as it is a movie about his life it's also definitely a movie about the band and their history and i think that you get a lot of the more like band management side and talking to producers and producing music i loved every single scene in the studios like i just that spoke to me so much like it's just interesting because in I, i don't think this is a spoiler 
in the Galileo scene, he tells him to do it again and again mm. and again until it's perfect. And, like, that's true to life. Like, I've recorded music with the ukulele groups, and we'll do one take, and that take will be perfect, and then we'll do it again just in case when something comes up, it's not perfect. Yeah. And I just think it's so cool, and, like, you just see his vision... It's, I mean, look, let's be honest, there's not really spoilers in this that we can talk about, because this is all based on real life. Yeah, and like, so, the other thing is, like, the commercials do, like, you do see bits but, and pieces in the commercials. I, I'm with you, I, I appreciate that, I love seeing that, and like, I mean, you read these stories about famous musicians and their songs and how many takes they do, and even like, I'm like that too with movies, when you learn that certain scenes are, you know, shot, you know, a hundred times just to get one mm-hmm. scene perfectly done, and just... And other times when you hear about these things that it's just such a great scene or a great song and they do it in one take, you know, just certain things like that. So. Or things that are an accident. Like when yeah. Will Smith cried in um, that TV show that he was in. Oh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like, yeah. that is such an iconic scene and that happened because he got emotional over his real life. Well, like, there's there's lots of, like, I mean, I know in Friends, for example, the final scene of Friends when they're all leaving the apartment, if you watch Jennifer Anderson and Rachel, like, it's the same person, yep. but um, <laughs> you see the, the way she's reacting and, like, crying, like, everyone was basically like, that's not scripted, like, that's just Jennifer Anderson crying because it's, like, the last scene. So there's just things like that and, like, I'm with you there, I appreciate that. But like, I just think it's interesting to... Before, like, I mean, obviously we want to talk about the acting, but I just, while we're on this topic, of just like visually just the recreations and everything just like I mean the last stuff at Wembley is just beautiful I mean I was mm. watching the Live Aid performance again the I other day on YouTube alive. oh I was well, alive I was alive, I was alive. Either. <laughs> I was minus two uh, in 1985 um, but just that and just like all the other recreations because I mean like you know, like, this is a very bad comparison because they're not on the same level, but, like, let's use Boytown for an example, but, like, when they're, Boytown, when they're using, like, their big bus. concerts, like, you know, you never feel like they're in a stadium. It's kind mm. of the way they do it. Whereas this, like, it's just, it's done, it's done so well. And, um, you know, when it comes to sort of the recreation of the voice, like, uh, you know, Rami Malek is obviously doing a lot of lip syncing, but I was reading an interesting story the other day about how he does sing, and then they kind of blended his voice with Freddie Mercury's actual recordings, and there's another scene which they blended in too. And I think one thing knowing this that, you know, like A Star Is Born, for example, we know that's Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper singing, mm-hmm. whereas this one, you know, you listen to the soundtrack, and I was kind of scared coming into this, like, you're really going to be able to tell he's lip-syncing, but you can't. You can't. Like, it, no. it's legitimately like he's actually singing it, but... Everything visually about this film is fantastic from, you know, obviously the era, like it starts in the 70s and basically goes up to 1985. You mm-hmm. you believe you're in all those time periods, the, mm-hmm. the costumes. The just buses. The bar- like everything about this film just looks, there's nothing visually about this film I think that doesn't fit. Mm, I agree. But, I mean, like the acting, like obviously all the praise behind this film, rightfully so, is for Rami Malek. And, I mean, he's not somebody who's a huge household name. Uh, you know, if what you watch, else has he been in? Mr. Robot, I think, is what he's most known for. I've never watched I it. He was, uh, he played a terrorist in a season of 24, um, which I vaguely remember him for. Uh, he was in A Night at the Museum. He was in one of the Twilight movies. He was movies. in A Night at the Museum. Actually, he was in a couple of the Twilight movies, so there you go. Um, there you but go. this is a absolute star making role for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this, like, this, as much as I love this movie, I don't think this will get as much Oscar buzz as, like, when we were talking about A Star is Born mm-hmm. or even First Man. But I think that, acting-wise, Rami Malek, if he doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, like, I don't think he might not ben win it. Ben will be accept, uh, upset. Well, I, I just think that he is just, he completely is, he is Freddie Mercury in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, like, going back to what I was saying about how Freddie Mercury is such a performer, like, 
he's one of the most iconic and, you know, outlandish and greatest musical acts, performers of all time. So anyone who took on this role was always going to have a hard, you know, act to live up to. And he just, you believe this is Freddie Mercury. He looks the part. Like, he looks like him. It's really interesting to look at a picture of the actual actor after seeing the movie because I don't think that I had looked him up before seeing the movie, but Mm -hmm. I did after. And he looks completely different in the movie. And I think that, like kudos to the makeup team oh, and the hair team yeah. and whoever else they had in to do him up to get his teeth like, oh yeah in the entire movie that was all i was thinking about i was like his teeth how did they do his teeth but his it, accent oh, his mannerisms just like everything. everything like like the one i liken it to most and I, I assume you would have never seen this movie is a movie called monster which is nope. Charlize theron she played basically maybe the most famous female serial killer serial killer of all time eileen warnos and I mean, you think of Charlize Theron, you think of a beautiful blonde, you know, attractive woman, whereas, like, Arlene Warnos was kind of, like, this, you know, incredibly, you know, like, she was an overweight, sort of plain-looking woman. And what Charlize Theron did to, I guess, transform herself into the role was was absolutely incredible. She won the Oscar for that movie, and Monster is a fantastic movie. And this is not good for anybody at home listening. I'm just showing Mallory a picture right now of Eileen Warnos, the actual serial mm-hmm. killer. And then anybody out there who's seen oh, I've heard Charlize about Theron in Monster will know this. exactly what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to quickly show this to Mallory. This is great for, you know... Wow. And, like, yeah. a- again, if you know what Charlize Theron looks like, you know... That's crazy. Just, yeah, the transformation. And so, yeah, just completely in this role, you believe Rami Malek is mm-hmm. Freddie Mercury. And it- and it's not just Rami Malek. Like, a lot of the praise, too, is being... Well, the rest of the band, yeah. like... Well, uh, except the bass player. Well, I'll get to him in a second, but <laughs> Willem Lee is a guy who plays Brian May. And I'm, I have no idea who Gwilym Lee is. Good for him. He's got a cool name. But, like, <laughs> he looks exactly like mm-hmm. Brian May. Because I, I, I would argue that outside of Freddie Mercury, Brian May is the most famous person from Queen. I even would struggle to name the other two members. I can tell you they're Roger Taylor and John Deacon. Um, so, Ben Hardy, who's Roger Taylor, who's the guitar... Uh, the, the drama, sorry. I um, think that he looked, like, not as much like him as... Um the curly-haired guy. Brian May, yeah. Quillen but May. they did do a good job. Yeah. The one that, like... I, I did read that he was in this movie, and it took me a while to actually remember, is the fact that Joseph Mazzello, a.k.a. Tim Murphy from Jurassic Park, is John Deacon. And Things that make Ben excited well, about this movie. Well, like, I did read that ages ago, and I forgot. And then when, when they saw the like the titles coming up on the screen, and I see the words Joseph Mazzello, I'm like, oh, that's right, Tim. Tim's in this movie. And, like, let's be honest, he still looks like little Tim from yeah. Jurassic Park. Like, he looks completely the same. Um the one, the random little one, he's only in it for all of five minutes, but Mike Myers, who, you know, slowly every now and then, oh, I'm a huge Mike Myers fan, and you should be as a Canadian. You'd, you should be. I have to be. Um, I know you don't necessarily like Austin Powers, but you will watch Wayne's World one day, and, like, you'll and then I'll get, get the reference. You'll get the little in Wayne's, <laughs> Wayne's World reference, which is hilarious. Uh, he plays, uh, what is he, like, a music executive, Ray Foster, and he's kind of only in it for, yeah, five minutes, but, you know, good to see him in there. But uh, the woman who played Mary, his name is Lucy Bonton, Boynton. Um, I'm not familiar with her. Uh, apparently, she's dating Rami Malik in real life. So All there right, you go. There you go. Just seeing that now. A little bit of chemistry there. Honestly, they did have good chemistry, though. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like even through again, not necessarily a spoiler, but like even when I guess he is, I guess gay, and like 
I'm not saying he wasn't gay beforehand, but <laughs> when he is more so exploring his sexuality with men rather than women, even the chemistry between them, I guess, when they're sort of friends as opposed to being mm-hmm. in a relationship, like, and that's the thing that the, I, you go. The guy at the end is awkward, though. Yeah, he's a little bit <laughs> awkward. But the thing that I really liked about the sort of the development of this story is that, and what I liked about this nature for him is the loneliness you felt from oh, him at yeah, a level. Yeah, yeah, And that kind of, to me, was a turning point with the scene between him and Mary, which obviously kind of developed from him sort of openly saying that he's bisexual, which I think mm-hmm. he's one of the trailers. That's not really a spoiler. Oh, um so, and I think from there, just you get that real sense of loneliness from yeah. him, which, you know, again, a similar thing to what the In Excess one did with Michael Hutchins. It's kind of like you've got this out there rock star who you, you assume someone like that is just going to be never lonely, never this, but mm-hmm. like sometimes they're the loneliest people in the world. Because, you know, who, who is hanging out with them? Are they only hanging out with them because, oh, hi, it's Freddie Mercury, he's famous, or, yeah. you know. But I, I really appreciated that sort of level when it came down to it, you know, mm-hmm. just. And that pulled some emotional strings in it too. I think it was just. I think so, yeah. It was done well. You particularly love the cats. There's oh, lots of cats in this there's movie. There's so many cats in this movie. <laughs> so we're a wee bit confused though, because I don't think this is a spoiler. At the beginning of the movie, you see about five cats. And then at one point, he's on the phone and he asks to. He asks if Tom and Jerry are there, which are cats. And then later on, he rattles off six different names I counted during the movie, but none of them were Tom and Jerry. So, he either has eight cats or Tom and Jerry have suddenly disappeared. Well, in fairness, it is set over a period of 15 years, so sadly Tom and Jerry may have passed away. Uh, I I would like some explanation about this from whoever wrote the script for this movie. Because I feel, even even if it's 15 years, like, cats normally live that long, if not longer. He's a drug-fueled rock star, like, I mean, you know, they could have, He has people to feed them. Eh, true. I'm not too sure. Oh! I need some explanation about Tom and Jerry. Can we write off to someone? We will. We will write off to Brian May and ask him for a personal insight into it. One thing which I think is also a bit of note is that there was a little bit of sort of, uh, you know, trouble with the shooting of this film with, I think it was Brian Singer was directing, then he quit, and then they sort of had to bring in other people to kind of finish it off. But, I mean, Solo got a lot of shit earlier this year because they had to change directors, and they felt that changed the tone of it slightly. And I don't... I mean... What was the tone of this movie originally? Well, I don't know. I mean, Brian, Brian Singer is kind of, you know, he was, I guess, most famous for, like, X-Men movies and things like that. And But, like, you can't... There's not really much you can tell in this that has changed. I, mean, I would like to see what it was originally going to turn mm-hmm. out like. But, um, you know, the, I, I just think that, uh, from the most part, the reviews that people are giving this about how it's kind of just, like, middle of the range, it's not that good, and they're praising, you know, obviously, uh, the performances in it. I, I, I think that it's interesting that... I personally, and this is just from my standpoint, again, let's remember that I like Die Another Day. I ranked Godzilla as a better film than 2001 A Space Odyssey. And yes, that's the 1998 version of Godzilla, not the 2014 one. Yes, I'm an idiot. Um, it's, I would definitely rank this as so far the best movie of 2018. And I haven't seen every movie in 2018, but I mean, I, that's just my personal opinion. I just think this film is fantastic. This is just such a great movie. I don't know. You don't know. We've seen a lot of movies. I, this I year. don't think I agree. Well, I mean, you obviously really liked Star is Born. I'm I like, assuming you I probably think that's like your favorite see, from this year. The thing is, I, I actually find these two movies very similar. They've definitely like, got the similarities. 
like a star is born is i think shot and written in a very similar way to the what do you call it a bioflick bio biopic biopic mm. like, biopic like i think that it's shot yeah it's just like written and shot in a very similar way mm. to the way that this movie was done i can see that and yeah i think that like because of that i think that they could be very easy to compare but at the same time they are very different movies like and again one is a better real person than the other is not i, I think the, the, <laughs> um, the differences in, in in why i feel a star is born will get more award season buzz than this will is that you know, it's a star vehicle for Lady Gaga. It's for Bradley Cooper, his directing capabilities. And I just think that it's got a lot more going for it in terms of just its overall story and the, mm, the way okay. it's shot. Whereas Bohemian Rhapsody, like, again, I'm I'm not necessarily disagreeing with people when they turn around and say it's just basically a movie version of the Wikipedia page, but that just goes to the point where I'm saying that most biopics are. Like, yeah. I've not seen Walk the Line, I've not seen Ray, I've not seen kind of some of those ones. But, like, even Monster is basically just an A to B of this is why Eileen Warnos went from being sort of just a, a woman in Florida to becoming a serial killer. Like, it's kind of, it explores it, you know, to a certain level. And I actually think you would like Monster. Like, it's, you think a serial killer movie is going to be like, I don't know, gross or scary or anything. It's really not. Like, it's, it's just such a great movie. It's okay. been a while since I've watched it. But, um, yeah, I mean... I don't know where I'm going with this. One thing I will say, though, like, because we're going to get to rating this in a second, you clearly know what I'm going to be doing with it, but, I mean, the music, the soundtrack, is without question a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. I, mean, I got this soundtrack, like, a week before I saw this film, and, I mean... Every time he listened to it, he would look at me and say, I want to go see this movie, I want to <laughs> go see this movie. But it's, it's... And, I mean, it's just literally almost another Queen's greatest hits. It's, mm-hmm. There's nothing new or anything on it that you haven't heard before if you're not a Queen fan, but, I mean, it actually... Well, I guess it kind of is new, because I don't know if they ever publicly released on, like, a record the live aid performances so you kind of have the live versions mm. of this in the end um so yeah but clearly for me it's a buy every day of the week uh i don't know what you're gonna do with this i'm hoping you would buy it <laughs> i don't know don't what know. i'm gonna do with this i reckon it would be probably a low buy i don't know a medium buy <laughs> i uh, i i'm really struggling with this like i i quite I had quite a struggle with the Lady Gaga one, too, though. But you still, yeah. I mean, you still bought it. I think, to me, I would just say, like, on that, just while you're thinking that, like, this is the first time I've I've walked out of a movie in a while and just instantly gone, I fucking loved it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. I love Jurassic World 2, but I could easily say, like, oh, this, 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 this. And, you know, like, it's not that I didn't love Infinity War. It's not that, like, I didn't love sort of other movies that I've seen this year, but, like... I, I maybe I'd have to go back to Logan Lucky or Baby Driver. Even Baby Driver, I didn't walk out instantly absolutely loving it because the ending kind of turned me away. I still love Baby Driver, but like I'm thinking Logan Lucky might have been the last movie I walked out going, like, I fucking love that movie. Mm-hmm. Like that was great. Um, it's been a while since I've maybe walked out of a movie and loved a movie as much as I have this movie. Yeah, I reckon it's just like almost too heavy. It's just too heavy. Like, I don't think I walked in expecting that, which I already said to you. I think that because of that, like, it kind of, like, brings it down for me because I'm just like, oh, like, I wanted it to be a happy movie and it clearly wasn't. Well, I I think... It was I don't think you were ever going to get a purely happy movie out of this after what happened to Freddie Mercury. (laughs) But I think that, like, I think it's an amazing tribute to him. Mm. 
So I, I think you and I learned a lot. Like I learned so much during that movie that I would never have known before about Freddie Mercury. So you, so you are buying it. Yeah. I, I, I really think this. Like, I don't know if it will open at all because, like, within excess miniseries, basically, as soon as they made that, it was so successful in Australia that it just opened up the door for a bunch of these other bio miniseries. We had an Olivia Newton-John one, we had a Paul Hogue one, a Molly Meldrum one, a, a, a Peter Allen one, just a bunch of these ones that happened. So I'm wondering if this will open up. I mean, this is, it's not like these has ever these have ever been closed. We always get these sort of films. But, like, I was saying to you that, like, my dream one is obviously a Michael Jackson one, which will be one of the hardest ones we'll ever do because <laughs> how are you going to do a Michael Jackson bio film with how his appearance changed? My vote is two parts. Two different actors. I'm That's just putting that in there. I the Michael Jackson this. cinematic universe, or yeah. something like that. <laughs> but I mean, we've obviously got an Elton John one coming out next year, which looks great. Um, but like, I think it won't be long till we get like a Prince or a David Bowie one, just because of their contribution to what they've done on music and how the world reacted to their deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like Michael Jackson's death, I don't think the world has reacted that way, you know, since John Lennon. Um, or Elvis before them. Like, it's been... I don't even think there was that much of an outpouring when... I mean, there was an outpouring when Freddie Mercury died, but, like, you remember when Michael Jackson died. Like, that was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of these once-in-a-lifetime deaths. I mean, you were one year old when Princess Diana died, so you would not remember I that. I tell you a thing. So, and I remember... I was 10, but I still remember the reaction around her dying. So, what I'm trying to say with this long-winded one is that a Michael Jackson one will happen one day. How it will happen, I don't know. Because, I mean, have we ever really had a... Have we ever really had a proper Elvis one? Like, that's surprising that we've never really had, like, a an Elvis biofilm. I'm trying to think of other biofilms that I've seen other than Walk the Line. Yeah, I mean, I, I like a good biofilm. We were meant to have a biopic oh, month, but we never the did. The one with, um... The one that I really like with Mark Wahlberg. Oh, the... Invincible? Is that the, the football, the football one, one we watched? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and we was that forty three. There was a Jackie Gleason, the first African American yeah. baseball player to play, and that, that was good. And then that's um, um, what's his name, who's now Black Panther, Charles Bozeman. Yeah, that's Black Panther. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I never put two and two together. <laughs> um, Chadwick um, Bozeman. What did I say, Charles Bozeman? Yeah. Also, um, there's that other football one with. Is it Sandra Bullock? No. Oh, uh, yeah, um, it is. yeah, yeah, she won the Oscar for. I cry in that movie. That's a good movie. That's um, a good movie. Is it four? Is it forty three? Is that what the movie's called? Forty two. It's forty something. 40, isn't it's it? forty two. His number was forty two. Forty two, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, the thing is, we were oh, meant what's to. What's the Sandra Bullock one called? Oh, blind. The blind oh, side. Thank you. Um, really hard time we that. were meant to be doing biopic month, and I'm so sad that we never ended up getting to do it. Because there are many more months. Don't worry. Well, we we, we will look at doing. Maybe in the lead up to Elton John, it was that it's called Rocket Man, isn't it? Next year. Because um, I mean, I I for one don't mind like political ones. Like W, I will stand by is one of my favorite films. It's just it's such a weird thing to say. It's one of my favorite films, but it's just such a good movie. Whether you like politics or not, I just really enjoyed it. But you probably want to see Vice that. Uh, the one where Christian Bale. Remember, I showed you the yes, trailer. Yes, Christian Bale. But like, he, but he doesn't look like when Christian he's playing um, Dick Cheney. So, anyway, lots of ones that are out there. The point is, we love. I love this movie so much. So go and see it. You like this movie, so you bought it. Not as yep, much as I do. Go see it. Um, it is worth going to a theater and watching. I think oh, that. Yeah. If you're committed to seeing it at some point and you thought, oh, maybe I'll wait till it comes out on DVD. Don't. It's like, a theatre It is a theatre Just for the last 20 minutes alone of the yeah. Live Aid stuff. Like that, and like... I, I don't think that there was ever any doubt 
in anyone's mind that it would be a theater movie, though, mm. with the amount of music and live music in it, I think it's important to go see. Because I think, like, it's, it seems to be that trend now, isn't it, where a lot of these artists are doing movies based on concerts, and, I mean, I've always wanted to see a lot more than I ever have. The only one that I ever really saw was the This Is It movie they did with Michael Jackson after he died when they did the thing on his, um, the concert that got cancelled, um, which that was worth seeing in cinemas. Um, just purely because I fucking love Michael Jackson, so I'd like to see what his concert would have been like. But, um, yeah, no, absolutely a, a theatre experience that you should see. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, other movies, I mean, I think really the only one that probably you and I definitely are 100% committed to seeing for the rest of this year is Aquaman. But um, you and I sort of had discussions about now that we're here. And Dumbo. In, in, is that this year or is that coming out next no, year? I have But you and I at least are probably thinking of maybe we might be seeing a, a weekly movie. We might just do random ones that, you know, we who knows yeah, is going to do a not the Nutcracker. Not the Nutcracker. I'm very committed to not seeing the Nutcracker. I feel your mind will probably get changed. I do not think so. Um, but stay tuned for that. But uh, I think we sort of loosely discussed, uh, and you're probably going to hear this episode before the Godzilla episode comes out, but you'll hear us talk about this a little bit more on the Godzilla one. Um, we've sort of semi-committed ourselves to another Christmas month with a... <gasps> but you, you say that now, but you're probably not going to be as excited for the movies that we're going to be doing. Wait, I don't get to choose one of the movies? We sort of already loosely chose all four that we're going to be you doing You only loosely chose them, so I can knock one okay. out. Okay, we're going to be doing Die Hard because it's universally regarded as a Christmas movie, even though it's not, not a, Christmas a Christmas movie. movie. Hey, don't knock Die Hard. I have never seen Die Hard, so oh, I... get out of no, this. No, I'll enjoy it. It's Bruce Willis, isn't it? It is. Can I just establish to the world that I made Mallory finally watch the Back to the Future trilogy on the weekend? I, I loved them. Thank you. Thank you. So wait till she sees Star Wars next year. Um, Jingle All the Way, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to find a toy for his son, and he utters one of the greatest one-liners in the history of movies, Put that cookie down! Now! Great movie. Um, the other one's going to be... We've just randomly chose this one because it's... I think oh, I can it, replace this one then. It's a shit movie that I used to watch during the lunchtime when I was a kid. It's got Hulk Hogan in it. It's called Santa with Muscles. So I can... It's dumb. Knock that one out. And the other one... And I've gone completely blank on what it's called. But it, we're only... I think we discovered it because we were trying to work out what other things Emily DeRaven from Lost has been in. She's Claire, the one with the pregnant mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. And she's Australian. And we randomly found some horror Christmas movie with her in it that we're going to do. It's <laughs> very clear that boys chose these Christmas movies. <laughs> I think that we should do Christmas month and a half. And Jamie and I should be allowed to choose two movies for the half month. So it's a little less boy-centric. You just want to choose fucking White Christmas. Yeah, That's because only... it's the best movie in the entire world. <laughs> All right, well, maybe... No, it's not Jurassic Park. Uh, maybe we need to... You need to lobby Colin. Okay. <laughs> We've got to commit... I'll message him minutes. right now. I'll message him right now. Um, stay tuned for that. Um, yes, it's that time of the year where we get it. Because we did all the Santa Claus movies last year, and, you know, only one of them's good. So, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe. You know how to do everything. My friends are calling on Um, I hope you are. Remember, Mondays at the moment, until we get lost up and running again, of course, is sort of our random TV rewatch day that Colin and Rossi are doing at the moment. Tuesdays, you can hear our Nip Tuck episodes. Wednesdays, our third watch episodes. And uh, Godzilla, 1998's Godzilla, is coming up on Thursday to close off Anniversary Month. Uh, and I'm just going to reiterate this again, that I absolutely love the 1998 version of Godzilla. It's one of the most unpopular opinions ever put it out there because it's one of, regarded as one of the worst movies of all time. Uh, but it's brilliant, and I'm sad that Mallory didn't watch that with me the other night. Uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening to the Oz Network. My name is Ben, and... Ew! Ew!
absolutely beautiful. I lost my quote. <laughs> <laughs> I can't find it. Yep. Oh, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> this happens every single episode. It really of the does. End of the episode. My name is Mallory, and mark these words, no one will play queen. Of the Oz Network. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.